Welcome to the 4A Music Podcast. I'm Charlie. I'm Alexandria. And I'm Amy. On this week's pod, with the Suzuki method really taught, Esperanza Spalding leaves Harvard, Nate Chinnan enters the chat RE Jazz Standards, new music, and more. First off, what's new? What's on your mind? I just asked myself that question, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my, my quandary for this week is how young people function in an institution. Young people meaning, um, uh, I don't know if we know this, but I work with um Professor Dr. Charlie Christensen, we work at Berkeley College of Music, and I am in fact a young person, and I am in fact teaching other young people, and if you're watching this, you'll see that I look 12. Um, Stop that. So it's, it's, uh, it's a challenge to kind of command respect from 18-year-old boys, so I've been... See, really- but that's more about them. Yeah, anyway, but sorry. it's also about I think Defense like mode. I'm thinking about like how when I've been thinking about this, I'm like, oh, how are women perceived for them? Like their like their most for some of them, their most immediate interaction with women is their mother, and like boys and moms, I think have this like special relationship. It's I think it's different from guys and their fathers but I think sometimes they they see you and they see that instead of like an authority figure of some sort like that can really command the space and all these things and they think because also I'm young and I kind of acted and I'm sort of chill they kind of think that they can do whatever they want to do and there aren't any consequences so um and and this generation is just weird like I don't think they really I'm I'm hearing it from all types of like I have a couple friends who are kindergarten teachers like all the way up to college that there's like there's the line between like authority figure and like friend is like blurred for them so they can like they feel like they can just do whatever so I've been trying to think of ways to like not be mean but at the same time be like hey like I know I look like this and I know I'm young but like I'm still here to teach y'all and there still needs to be like a semblance of respect of my time and yours. So yeah, that's been <laughs> on my mind. What like what um what seems to be kind of like working for you more than more often than not, or what's not working or when it comes to kind of like trying to manage that you know there's there's classroom management yeah i've i've well what i've been actually having a time like a hard time with is people showing up late to class so now i lock the door after 15 minutes nice and so they they're they just can't like come into class and then it's an unexcused absence and it i feel like that's just like a hard line like if i if i doing that actually got them to respect me more because they're like oh we can't just like show up and do whatever and lollygag and you know it's you know we're here to have fun but there's also like this is a class we're supposed to learn and all these things so that I've been doing that what not to do um I used to think like oh okay it's cool if I don't like chew them out or whatever but I've learned how to like chew them out in a like playful manner. Like, ha, ah, I know you didn't mean to come like 45 minutes late to class, right? Like you would never do that. Oh my gosh. You know, things like that. Like, yeah, I love that. You know, just baking them. Oh, and then they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh yeah. Just like, we don't, we don't, I don't want to do this. Do you want to do this? Like, let's not do this. So just like, let's not have that happen again. Right. Yeah. I think that's cool. Good for you. That makes me so mad. I'm so upset, though. I'm so offended. No, I just think, yeah. No, but that people would have the audacity to be like, I can't really learn from this person. Or whatever. Mm. Maybe that's not, I don't don't understand the attitude. I'm so confused. 
I feel like the only times I've been kind of like immature in a class are when I, after I've felt like, okay, I really like, this is not going well in one of like, (laughs) it's like UM lectures where it's like, not in the music school. I didn't have this experience at the music school, but like a TA, but it's like nothing is really going down, (laughs) but clearly things are going down. So I'm like, what is their issue? I want to ask them, like, why, do, what, what? I think What's it's, I think it's because I look young and they know I'm young and I'm a woman and I'm but short. Why can't we learn from young people, women? So women are just supposed to be mothers. You learn so much from your mother too. So it's like, what? Yeah. I'm not sure. I, I, these are the questions I ask myself. <laughs> Bye. Want that as my ringtone too. <laughs> you say that about everything. I, I, um, yeah, I don't know. This is like a big. This is a big topic. I do think that my my two cents on this is that um, I do think that there's just yeah. I think there's like a lot of uh, bullshit. Like there's a lot of disrespect that's like misogynistic and that's like ageist or whatever that is, you know, that is just like a, um, that's coming from like, a. there's some people that are just jerks, you know, and they yeah. can't, um, they just can't, uh, or they won't do, they can't process that, you know, like that, the truth of this situation or something. I think though that there is like a whole, there's like a whole menu of reasons why people are like <laughs> dis- like seemingly disrespectful or assholes in class or whatever that is, you know, like there's just like such like a, as many, as many people as there are, there's like, there's um, potential like just, or like there's potential um, causes for like that kind of behavior, you know, or just right. behavior that kind of seems disrespectful. And sometimes it's, like for me sometimes when i feel that way it's really you know like amy said it's like oh it's kind of their it's like their thing like it's kind of their problem that they're acting out or experiencing i think that that's true but also it's sometimes it's like i've realized that sometimes it's like my problem Mm. or something you know or that that i'm like that i'm perceiving something Mm. as a as like a disrespectful thing or i'm jumping to a conclusion of like why they are acting the way they gotcha. they are That's you know fair. what i mean yeah um i mean the like the, i i was a young teacher once i will never again be a young teacher but i was <laughs> once like i was starting i started teaching college when i was 26 and mm-hmm. like i had a lot of that stuff in my head where like oh this person is acting this way because i'm like, cause I'm kind of young or like, I kind of look like them a little bit, you know? And I like would dress up a lot. Like I wore like suits and ties and stuff to school just to kind of like try to like separate myself a little bit. Um, which like all of that, the psychology of like what we wear when we're teaching and everything is like, is, it's like a whole other book or something about all that kind of stuff. Because (laughs) I actually was just reading an article about like how, like, um, someone actually kind of advocating for kind of like dressing more casual when you're teaching so that like students feel more comfortable with you. Mm. There's like all this, there's all this like push and pull where it's kind of like, there's one side of this yeah. thing being like, we want to, we want to pull down these barriers so that students feel like comfortable in these scenarios to just kind of like mess up and do crazy things and all that kind of stuff and not feel like they're like in jail. And then there's the other side of it where it's like, um, no, like students are garbage. Like they need to learn how to manage their themselves and their time and all of that kind of stuff. And, um, and like, I think like both make both of those kind of general, um, like directions or like origins of arguments it kind of like, it's kind of like makes sense to me a little bit logically. And so I, so I know I do a lot of kind of like searching and it's kind of an adjustment every term or every semester a a lot of the conventional wisdom is like you start more strict and then you can get more chill but you but it's hard to start chill and become strict because then 
you're not strict. You're just mean, you know, it's like not who you right. are. You're just being mean. <laughs> like <laughs> you decided that you are mad at them or you hate them or whatever that is. Um, That's true. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be easier on myself. Like it's my first semester. You're and, definitely teaching them just, stuff too. Yeah. And like, like you're the, definitely teaching them stuff. They're, go, they're coming so. away with stuff. I know that. <laughs> but no, that makes a lot. Yeah. I've been thinking about like what I wear, how language that I use to help them ensure that like they're comfortable, things of that nature. I, I think, and I, it, it's weird that the, that it's not discussed. This is a whole different topic, but yeah. like, it's not like as a performance major, we don't talk about pedagogy. And I'm really right. lucky that I went to a Barely. program where like we had that emphasized, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know. Anyways. Thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. I mean, yeah, I, like I would I'm love to hear. I'm still mad. I'm still kind of offended. <laughs> and I, and I think that's totally the, I think that's totally an appropriate response. I think like all of those things, like I think uh, basically most of my life feels like this thing where it's like, I have an emotional response to something somebody did. And then I think about it afterwards and like, why did I have that feeling? Or like, what was that really about? You know? And not being like, I shouldn't have had that emotional response. Like the emotional response was like totally valid. And I'm like, I'm like, let's do it. Let's go there. I'm upset. I'm feeling upset. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. And then it's like the next day, it's like, man, why did I get so upset about that? Like, what was, what was the deal? Um, and then you just kind of like keep, I, I, well, at least I just kind of keep rolling <laughs> from that. <laughs> like, that's just in my life. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, just like rinse and repeat that thing over and over again. Yeah. Um, aye, aye, aye. Yeah. Uh, should we, we can talk about that for four more hours or we, or Amy, do you, have, a, do you have, do you have something, <laughs> you have another sort of like, you also have a existential. <laughs> what is this week? I know. Well, Charlie, like, <laughs> kind of stopped me in my tracks last week <laughs> i even texted him and i said can you give me like some books about this because maybe i don't know you know that thing where you hear about stuff but then suddenly it clicks and maybe someone's been telling you your whole life but you never heard it until now like that's how i feel about the the perspective that ego is like am i good enough rather than like i'm so good and i know i'm so good is rooted in like worth like worthlessness or like self-worth questioning. Mm. But I hadn't considered that it could be like non-toxic, I guess, is like, I always was like, oh, well, so egotistical because they don't actually like have a sense of self-assuredness and like they're not coming from a genuine place. But then I hadn't thought about the, oh, I'm coming from a genuine place, but I'm wondering, am I good enough type of thing being ego. Anyways, all this to say, I had a gig yesterday um, and it was fun. It was like a last minute call. I was very excited to be free because it was just um, American Songbook with Trio and it was at a, a fancy hotel and they sort of had like a jazz club vibe in there. I think they actually called it a jazz club. It, it, that's how it was like set up. Um, but I was thinking about ego because... The first song I got up there and my ego was literally the size of me. I was like, does this sound good? Do they hate me? I can see all four people in the audience and they're just looking at me with like straight faces and I, and the sound is great. So I can really hear myself. Do I sound good? And I, it was not like, who knows how it sounded. It probably sounded like normal Amy, but in my brain, I was like, this sounds so bad. I can hear it all. And then though, we took a break. This is kind of bad, but like I, I had like one drink in the middle of the set and it kind of like loosened me up a little. And I was like, this is great. This is so fun. I'm wearing like this new dress I bought and I love jazz and like this sounds swinging like this is awesome. And then actually like the pianist pulled me out of it because he played something where I was like moved and then I sang. And then at the end of the gig, I was like, oh, I wow. So that went away. But all this to say, again, I just feel like by the end of it, I had kind of like sized it down a bit. Like my ego was for sure smaller because I wasn't making any choices that were like 
is this a good choice? Should I make this choice? Like it, mm. it felt much more inspired slash I had stopped thinking. My brain left the chat and it was just <laughs> the rest of me, which is really, it's like such a cool feeling and hard to, I don't know how I did it. I think I probably just got more used to being up there or something. Like it wasn't like I somehow switched off my brain or something, but mm. I'm glad because I was really freaked out too at the beginning because once I was thinking about my ego then I was like stop <laughs> why are you doing that mm. I think that also just comes yeah. with the territory of being like a, a jazz musician like you're in a new air like space most like maybe like 55 percent of the time you're playing with people that you've probably never played with before and you're thinking yeah two new people I'd never met yeah so you're th- probably thinking oh my gosh like they don't know who I am like I don't know who they are are we gonna make good music what's gonna happen you know all that stuff and then after you've like oh haha I'm doing it yeah 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 yeah. it always like takes a hot minute to like get into into oh the groove of things I hate saying that but (laughs) (laughs) no but it's like getting up to water ski or something you're making me think about where you get up and you're like yeah and then you're like oh this is fun that's how it felt yeah I did also have that mindset at the beginning where I was like I'm in New York City (laughs) what am I doing New York City (laughs) monster mash monster mash oh my god she's back in the city um, (laughs) I was thinking like yeah the other the uh, the book that I forgot to recommend to you is the effortless mastery thing, like the Kenny Werner thing. Mm. And he has a new book out too. I don't know. Have you two read that book or checked that checked out the effortless checked out effortless mastery, the first book ever? Yeah, I haven't checked out the second book, but he does seminars at Berkeley, so I try to go to those sometimes, and they're very nice. But he talks about this a lot. I listened to him speak a bit. But I haven't actually read the book, but I know of I know of it. It's been in my circle. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of want to check out I, I kind of want to check it. out this this new book. The one thing that I heard um him talking about most recently with this idea that like there's like a step 0. Like he has like four steps in the book basically to like get to like the place. And it's like step 0 is just like I think just to notice your breath. It's yeah. like, "Oh, you cuz you just do that all the time." And so if you can do that, that's like a way to get into this, what he calls the space, which is flow, the flow state or to disconnect from your ego, for your brain to leave the chat, whatever you, whatever, <laughs> whatever, whatever you want to call it. It's all kind of similar stuff. That's but that's cool. cool. Then I feel like, though, I would be so, well, I'll just read the book. I feel like I'd be like, my breath, it's not, <laughs> it's not supported yeah <laughs> my mouth it's parched <laughs> no i but that's like fair that's like checking that's like um that's how people like start meditating too yeah, yeah which is, very seems common. like the same thing or like a similar thing it's funny it reminds you too of like thinking talking about breathing and voice lessons like there are some voice teachers that like Oh, would I only talk about breath or I start every semester, every year, every whatever talking about breath, like it's the main, it's the main thing. And then there's some teachers like, don't talk about it at all. I've tried both. I've tried kind of like both vibes. I don't really talk about it that much anymore. Like I will, I'll kind of just like give some basic prompts sometimes, but I found that like the more I talked about breathing, the more people breathe really weird. Like they would Ah. like... They would like, you know, like before they sang or something. And I was like, well, what are you doing? And they're like, I'm just trying to get like, I'm trying to expand. I'm trying to breathe low <laughs> diaphragmatically and like keep my, you know, rib cage expanded oh. as I do this thing and Wait, all this kind of stuff. Actually, I agree with you though, because for me, it was a click. It was like a click. It wasn't, teachers said it to me the whole time. They were always saying it. I was always trying to do it. But for me, it was really like one day I was like, oh my God, I'm doing it. So it didn't even really matter if teachers said to do it because I would do exactly what you just described. I knew all the words and I would just breathe really weird. (laughs) Yeah. It's just not worth it. It's like, oh, you have all this breath and then you're 
what you're all like do? messed up like you have all this <laughs> weird tension and like you hurt yourself <laughs> it's like it's yeah. not worth it no. um i'd rather just not breathe really I'd really, <laughs> we, can, we can just do other stuff you know just breathe how you're breathing right now that's fine yeah <laughs> just take a shallow breath oh. um but that's for another day we could talk more about that but the, um yeah, that's a uh, my, my my thing that i wanted to uh kind of i've been thinking a little bit about this week is not too deep or big but there um there's been like a lot of talk about like like this ticket master live Ooh. nation taylor swift um the dealing with the taylor swift tickets and all that kind of stuff and um i had like a i had like a run-in with live nation back when i was like in minnesota like i i had booked this gig and we were like opening for this semi-famous like guitarist singer songwriter person who i will like not name names but um it turns out that they had like a very high profile guest artist person that was going to be playing with them like as a surprise for that show and so like that person i guess decided that they didn't want like they didn't want anybody else to be on stage or like they didn't want any opener they didn't want like they didn't want any of that kind of stuff so like the day of the show i got a call from like the the booker at the club and they were like oh yeah like the this happened like you're canceled or whatever and so i tweeted about it and then the local radio station like retweeted it and they started like talking about it on air they're like oh i guess so and so blah 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 is like this thing happened and all this kind of stuff and then i started getting these phone calls from this publicist that was like if you don't take that tweet down and get everyone else who retweeted it to take it down or whatever, like what? you're never going to work again. And oh like, just like, and she, and they called me, they called me like every minute for three hours. Like I saw this number that I didn't know and I didn't pick it up and they would leave these like just brutalistic like voicemails and oh text God. messages and stuff. And I was like, I'm not, I'm like not dealing with that. I'm like, I'm not playing the show. Like, I don't know. Like I'm not doing the thing, but it was this like big live nation kind of like um, rigmarole thing. And so like, oh. I don't know, I just am like, that was, that was years ago, but it, but there's this deal where it's like, there's just, there was this article in the New York times I read today. There's been a bunch of stuff that's been written about it, but there's this opinion article that was basically like the government should break up uh, Ticketmaster and Live Nation, like Ticketmaster mm-hmm. acquired Live Nation, or the other way yeah. around. It's just and, a monopoly, um, right? Yeah, and it's a monopoly, and, and like they basically agreed to this like merger or sale based on like Ticketmaster, like like um, promising that they weren't going to do all this like predatory stuff, and that they weren't going to like monopolize it, and that they were going to allow their software to be used by other companies and all this kind of stuff, none of which they basically have done. So, um, and so like part of the, part of what people are saying is like why all this kind of stuff is going down with Taylor Swift is that, and those tickets is because they've had no, um, they've had no motivation, like with like a, basically a free market, because it's a monopoly, they've had no motivation to like, invest in their technology and to like, figure out their systems. And they spend a lot of their time just fighting bots that are trying to like buy tickets. So for like normal people, when you're trying to buy a ticket through Ticketmaster, it's like 47 steps to do a thing just just because it's like trying to like, like, authenticate you as like a real person interesting um so and there's a number of other problems and like people like pearl jam and other bands and stuff have like specifically tried to do shows where that they don't work with Ticketmaster or live nation like they just go to clubs that aren't affiliated with one of those two companies and those that that is like shockingly difficult and hard to do in the united states um so anyways, that's kind of like what I've been thinking about and it's annoying and I take a master and stuff is not the only, it's not the only example of this sort of thing, but, um, but obviously it's like probably the thing that's m- most effect, like, like if it was just, I mean, Spotify, like for streaming stuff, like Spotify is like kind of not great for musicians, but like if it, if there weren't Apple music and some of these other options yeah. like you, you know, YouTube and Amazon music and all that kind of stuff. If there, if it was just Spotify, I can't imagine it would be better for musicians. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely worse. So does Ticketmaster take a cut? Like, are they 
they and the venue talk and then the artists and the venue talk or like how does that even does the venue i'm confused it's like the same company so it's like it's basically like oh you want to play um i have a student that works at the at the hard rock cafe or something in in boston and it's like that's owned by live nation and so like you want to buy tickets to go there you go through the Ticketmaster website, you know, and oh, it's all, wow. I do think probably like the venue gets a cut, Ticketmaster gets a cut. I mean, there's like a lot yeah. of like, there's a lot of people uh, <laughs> taking a spoon out of that buffet line or something. Yeah, right. yeah. but there's been That's all this gnarly stuff where like, um, there's all these resellers and everything. And like, and um, I think there's been examples where Ticketmaster has actually been like caught, like reselling their own ticket like marking no. up and reselling tickets there's a really famous like justin bieber example too where justin bieber's camp like his people actually bought tickets for one of his shows and then resold them like for like they got the tickets at whatever their rate was oh. and then they like they like upsold them and like resold them for like 200 percent of like what they bought them as and like justin bieber just took that money or something and like Ticketmaster was just kind of like okay yeah i don't know you know like i think they what? knew about it and didn't really do anything why do we need Ticketmaster is my question. Can't the venues just, like the artist decides the price? Oh, but that wouldn't work, would it? But it's like, how do you buy tickets and how yeah. does it all get authenticated and all that kind of stuff? I mean, there have, there have been other systems and they've just kind of been like, um, partly because of the Live Nation thing. Because like, I don't know what percentage, but a huge percentage of especially large venues that would like do a lot of money gross, like ticket sales, like they they're owned by live nation. Like they're owned by this company and it's like, it's not, you can't play in one of those clubs and use different Soft like ticket yeah. software. Okay. They won't, they won't like allow that. That's like not part of the thing. So, yes. um, yeah, I think yeah, it's like, yeah. it's pretty spooky. That is spooky. Gnarly. But that's gnarly. Charlie. It's gnarly. Charlie. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> she did it again. That I think, um, <laughs> We should do like a weekly segment where it's like, here we go. Here's Charlie's, here's gnarly Charlie with like some gnarly. Oh my God, a gnarly Charlie music section. News. Here's yes. the gnarly Charlie for this week. And it's like me being like a huge downer. Like, are, I love it. Is everybody feeling pretty good about stuff? Okay, here we go. Are you ready? This is why Live Nation is the devil. Wait, are I really ready? love this. And then we should, you know, what we should try to do is like Alex and I should try to pull you out of it, but it always doesn't work. We <laughs> You know, try like, we're like well, up. but what? Like what if what if they tried not using it and you're like, won't happen, never has, never will. <laughs> I think it could be cool. Okay, we'll work on it. We're gonna workshop that offline. Yeah. But um, should we jump into our newsletter? Yeah. Cool. Okay, our first uh, A this week was about the Suzuki method. Did either of you take lessons or learn about the Suzuki, like learn via the Suzuki method, like when you were younger? No, but I remember I was so jealous of the other students that were learning Suzuki method because they got the little play box violin and I really wanted to play box mm. violin, but I got a recorder. I took violin <laughs> for six weeks and I started <laughs> Maybe longer, maybe probably shorter. I don't know. I it was like a kick. I was like in second grade, and I really wanted to play the violin. Then it really didn't sound good. But anyways, I think maybe like through that, perhaps. But I've always heard about this. I mean, my, I feel like my follower speaks of like all the different, all the things, and what he thinks about them. But that's a different story. Anyways, yeah. So like for a quick, um, for a quick, uh whatever refresher on suzuki method so um it's like crazy wildly popular i think like everybody that learns string like violin cello that kind of thing i think basically they all most people all learn young at the suzuki method so people like hillary hahn and other folks like they're basically like the fame the famous all the famous string people now it's like that they kind of started doing that for the most part um especially in in like western music so um so basically the general idea of it, the, the kind of the central tenant is that it's based on language acquisition theory. Um, and so it says that all, all people can and will learn from their environment. And basically it's kind of like immersion. So 
um, they they very famously delay reading music until like much later than other methods. Mm. So like, so the whole idea is that you're playing and you're hearing other people play and, and through that, through like repetition of a lot of things that you're hearing and playing, like you, you get good. And like the whole idea of this was that like basically any, any young child could be, uh, could be like a protege if you mm. kind of like followed this kind of thing, like anybody could be a little baby Mozart is kind of the vibe. Um, there's an article in the, in the New Yorker um, this last week that I was talking uh, that, that was uh, that was titled what the Suzuki method really taught. And so um, they kind of go in this article, uh, it's really beautifully written, but it goes into the history of, um, of, of the, of the man Suzuki and, um, and kind of like what what led him to to this method and um, but also kind of like what he was like really kind of kind of getting at. So it says um, uh, that the reduction of Suzuki to a system of music instruction misses its underlying point about human potential. Mm. Um, so there's yeah there's a new book out called uh, Suzuki the Man and His Dream to Teach the Children of the World, uh, and yeah so it, it was really it's really an interesting read and um, uh, one of these pull quotes from it is that uh, uh, the more connections we make to music the more significance music has. What we do know is that early exposure to art and music gives kids a longer familiarity with art and music. The sooner you start, the more you sense. It's a self-evident truth, but self-evident truths can be for children and countries alike essential to independence. The parents and non-parents may worry loudly about what the kids sawing away up on the platform are doing and where it all will get them, but the kids don't hear them. They're making music. I love that. Part. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the so that's that's the vibe. I think like I do I do really think the Suzuki method is cool. Another part of this article that I thought was really fascinating was that um, they mentioned that for a lot of these methods, there's usually like one genius e like figurehead person. <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> And it's like they kind of do their thing and they have these like really strong ideas about like what it's about. And they're like, you do this, you don't do this, you do this, you don't do this. And that through time, like those things just kind of get to be like a slogan or something they, and it gets watered down. Like people just kind of put them up on the, it's like, here's the four <laughs> Suzuki things or whatever. And they're sure, just like on yeah. a poster, you know, and it becomes like a textbook and it's like, and it just kind of gets watered down to the point where, um, it's kind of like the you're wearing the Suzuki T-shirt, but like mm. you're just doing all the normal normal bullshit that everybody else does <laughs> oh or whatever. Gosh. It's kind of interesting. That um, says a lot about humans too, though. I think like so many humans are like, oh, oh, that okay, then I'll do it too. Mm. But then there's not the extra step of like, what do I think of this? What did they mean? What are they really trying to do here? Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? It seems like there's this like weird pipeline for like so many different instruments, like the like metho methodology pipelines, so, like for string instruments, it's like Suzuki method for brass instruments. I don't know what the method is, but they all play the same freaking uh, blue bells of Scotland. It's a silver book. <laughs> Arbins, Arbins, they all use Arbins book for wind play, like for flute players should use Zachary and we use, um, Oh my gosh, what what am I missing? Da, 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 da. It's a half step, well, whatever. That one. The, whole t <laughs> the half know, step one. Tone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm blanking on it right now. It's okay. Every, everything has their own methodology. And we never, I sometimes I just, you know, the, the subtext is right at the top of the book. Do I ever read that? Like, why am I doing this exercise? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> does anybody read the back of the suzuki method book to read why why they're doing it well i guess then that's why the teachers are so important too yeah. is because the books can't do teach it all yeah yeah but i think that one that that when you said human potential that really like struck me because mm. so many of so much of the time it's it's not you know we think that a lot of the 
a lot of the time it's just like oh I do believe that music is a gift like some people are like definitely musically gifted but it doesn't mean that someone is not musically gifted they all have the potential to be great at something and I don't know I guess like that I don't know that really struck a, a chord with me is that the right saying struck yes a- yeah nice and easy Nice and easy. <laughs> the, um, no, no, no. Yeah. The uh, well, yeah, the no, reading yeah. thing too. Like you think about like little babies. It's like they don't, you know, like Aww. like kids learn how to talk, but they, you know, and first they babble and they like sc- like scream and like oh, 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 and, like they're not they're crazy, and then they start yes. to say things. And they don't read until you know much later. You know, until right. they're in elementary school. But in I remember taking trumpet lessons in elementary school. And piano lessons, like in elementary school, you young. Yeah. It's like you sit down and they just like slam the book in front of you and they're like, here's a quarter note, here's a half right. note. And I'm like, ah. I no, just want them like no I just sense. wanted to play the blues on the piano. That's all. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, you're never gonna do that in lessons. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's great. You're so it right. Makes, yeah. It yeah. checks out too because it doesn't mean it, like, I don't know. Words on a page only go so far. Like our imaginations are the things that are like creating things because of also things we've seen IRL. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the other part of this is like you talked about the text on it, like in a, in one of these method books, and it's like, do people even really do students really even need to understand why they're doing something? You know, like mm, I, huh. I sometimes I will get stuck in that where I'm like this is why this is why we're doing this and like this is why this is important and blah blah blah. and like i just like people's eyes glass over and they're like what do you want me to do and i'm like just like um uh put open your mouth a little bit more and they're like okay fine like that's why you just tell me that (laughs) i I was getting to that but i was also i was trying to like kind of confuse you between now and then no not really but no i I know what you mean like sometimes maybe that could get in the way a little bit yeah if yeah. a student is like too caught in like why or something. Yeah. I remember you... the name of the book. It's Taffanel and Gobert. So that's it. <gasps> Great. Da-da-da-da. Let the record show. <laughs> Alex remembered it. Okay. Our next A is <laughs> from Alex and oh. it's about bassist and composer Esperanza Spalding. What did she, what did, what did, what did Esperanza she... Spalding do? Mm, I love <laughs> she, her. She departed from Harvard. Oh, um, Man, that's this a is spicy such a, meatball. Yeah. Wow. That is. Um, I don't know about y'all, but Esperanza is like definitely seeing her evolution has been so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I don't know, just seeing her coming to herself. Anyways, bassist, singer, composer, and opera librettist. Yeah, she wrote an opera with Wayne Shorter. Oh. Oh my uh, goodness, I did not know that. Yeah. There. Oh, it's so good. Um. Anyway, she wrote an email um, that she has communicated with Harvard over many months about a proposal for a decolonial education curriculum entitled BADAP, which is Black Artists Education, oh, Black Artist Educators Decolonizing and Placemaking Model, which she wanted to make like a, a course or initiative. And Harvard just wasn't ready for it yet. Um, this course or initiative, she says, it works to devolve portions of colonial institutions' holdings and through doing so, help heal their impact on and relationships to communities of color. Um, under the BADAP model, Harvard would rematriate, which is, n- I had to look up this word because it's not a real word. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it actually, I'll come back to it. Harvard would rematriate some of its land and buildings, offer them as spaces where Black and Native artists, scholars, students, activists, and cultural workers, as well as the broader Harvard and surrounding community could collaborate and make art. So this, I was like, wow, she's hitting all of the points. Like, like she's hitting, um, like reinvesting Harvard reinvesting some of their endowment like Harvard is one of the most heavily endowed institutions in the world like their endowment's pretty sizable um (laughs) (laughs) and um so she's talking about like giving 
back for Harvard to give back to some of their communities of color, as well as the community around them that, you know, supports what they're doing. And this word rematriate, it's not a real word. The real word is repatriate, which I learned is like a legal term, which means to give back. Um, and I, I the only reason why I know this is because one of my friends did um, his master's thesis on this thing called patria, but that means father, like your like the land of where you come from, so like your hometown. But in the Spanish language, they don't have motherland, which is what we usually talk about. And so he made up this word. Well, he didn't make it up. This is like a lineage of things, but it's called matria, which actually means motherland. So she's not only hitting on oh rematriate, as in like we should give, we they should give back, but they should also recognize the femininity within our worlds and within land and all this, all of these things. So she realized the intersectionality of not only being in communities of color, but also being a part of this greater world and also recognizing the femininity within it, which is like, I think so cool. She just, I think it's a blow for Harvard, but I think it is a little bit too progressive for them right now. I, you know, I think it would have asked a lot for them. So I think if, over many like over the next few years I she wants to keep the conversation going with them because of a place like Harvard is able to do something like that which is to divest and like to reinvest and in, into their student body essentially like offering some of its buildings as places as safe spaces for these artists and scholars and activists to work I think it you know then it will set the stage for many other institutions to follow yeah yeah which harvard does a lot it's kind of like setting the setting the tone i just yeah. looked up the endowment so endowment right now for harvard is 50.9 billion dollars <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah. pretty gnarly um cool. right yeah all it takes is like one person too that's how anything happens not one person, like one entity, I guess is what I mean. Anything big happens when somebody does something first. Yeah. Harvard. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think maybe another like another component of this for Spalding is that like, you know, if you're if you're at a place and like your energy isn't going towards the things you want it to go towards, it's like, you know, it it is it does suck for Harvard that that Esperanza Spalding isn't there anymore, but it also is kind of like, okay, well, I'm gonna put my energy and time into the other things you know it's like if, if yeah. that's cool if you're you know and i don't know i don't i don't have a sense of like what the how uh what the what the terms of like this departure are for everybody you know what i mean like are they're leaving on good terms or it's complicated or whatever but um you know it's kind of like well if if uh if you're not if if i can't do this kind of work that i'm really interested in doing here like that's cool and even though it is harvard I think it's like yeah. a baller thing for her to do to just say like you know even though this is Harvard and everything it's like I this is something I want to do and so I'm going to go find I'm going to go find places and opportunities to do yeah. this work. I think she is talking about starting something like this in Portland because I think she recently moved back there. Yeah, that the um, article says that. And so I think that's I I don't know, I think you're right like she just I think that's such a like to be so strong in your values and what you want to spend your energy on to depart from someplace like Harvard and be like, peace, like this is what I really want to do. I think that also takes like a strong sense of who you are and values and how you want to expend your energy, like you said. Definitely. And Har Harvard has to be like such a small piece of her pie, whatever she was yeah. doing there, whatever, you know, I don't think it's like. Yeah. But, but she, I, I hope they paid okay. <laughs> i'm sure but yeah i think she like the language that she uses like i don't know i just learned a lot just from like yeah the email that she sent it didn't it didn't sound like condemnatory at all or she just it kind of like introduced this new thing that people probably weren't even thinking about like baydap what is this mm -hmm. decolonizing curriculum decol decolonizing like or like talking about divest like reinvest rematriating that's not you know 
yeah. I don't know, to get people familiar with a lot of these terms and to create the conversation. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. No, that's true. I, I totally agree with that too. Yeah. That's like a huge deal probably. And then, and then, so like you start to get some like media coverage about this and it's like, you know, in some ways that could be just as effective as having Harvard do the thing you want them to do. Right. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. oh, we yeah. start this conversation and, um, but yeah, it's great. As far as this falling is a genius, <laughs> you know, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Um, Cool. Can we move on to the, yeah, the next the day? Yeah, the last day. So our last day is standard deviation. We've been talking about last bus standards. So um, <laughs> it's funny when I was like, um, <clears throat> when I was kind of like trying to link back to other things that we've talked about in, in terms of this last, this like third A. And it was like, well, we wrote about this here and here. And we talked about this pot and we talked about it in this podcast and in this podcast, we've been talking about a lot about standards. It's almost like we all went to jazz school, but um <laughs> Uh, but jazz critic Nate Chin and uh, re recently weighed in on on um, some of this, uh, some of the things that have kind of been in 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 the up in the ether in regards to standards recently. Um, Nate Chin has a really cool uh, Substack blog called The Gig that I I recommend people subscribe to. It's free and it's very cool. He um, he's a great writer and uh, all of his books are, are I think are quite smart. Um, but he uh, weighed in uh, on new strategies being taken by Terry Lynn Carrington and Shai Maestro and others um, to bring both more equity to jazz songbooks and uh, and in the case of Maestro to learn standards more deeply. That's what that we talked about last week. Um, and it's kind of interesting because we had a lot of different feelings about the Shai Maestro list. I think we were we I think we were all kind of were like this is cool but it's also kind of like makes me think like maybe I'm you know like how does this how does this all fit in our lives <laughs> basically yeah. like yeah yeah exactly it's kind of like when someone's like well I think you should get up every day at 4 a.m and like run five miles and then <laughs> oh you should only God. eat like nuts and berries until 5 p.m and then at that time you should drink some water and have like some protein and then you literally should literally yes yeah. and it's kind of like okay i'm sure that's like some sort of like what like a ai robot or something would like pump out is like the way to optimize my cells or something but yeah like, i don't i don't know if that's like really my what i want my life to be um uh, i heard so i i'm like very anti <laughs> i'm very anti-smoking but there's this one there's this one joke where it's like um, you know, if you stop smoking, you'll like live longer. And the person says, will I live longer or will it just like feel like it's longer? <laughs> and it's like, oh my gosh. Um, but anyways, so the, uh, so what's interesting about this is, is uh, Chinin calls Maestro's, uh, Maestro's approach to, uh, or Maestro's. I feel like I want to say, I feel like I want to say Maestro because it's just like the yeah. conductor kind of thing. But I, if I'm mispronouncing that, someone please check me. But the um, but uh, Chinin calls his approach to playing standards extreme, while acknowledging that it touches on an idea or two that I've heard again and again from the masters. Then he goes on to say, when Sonny Rollins talks about the old songs, he often refers to the lyrics. Lee Connets used to go so far as to sing them. Earlier this year, when Chinin spoke to John Schofield about this first ever solo album, he recited most of "It Could Happen to You" as a way of understanding the tune. Um, so, and this is, this kind of matched some of my feelings about it too. My initial reactions was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is, this is not like a super, super new thing. I don't think, I don't think Shai Mashro is also saying like, I've invented this new yeah. thing, but I think he's just saying like, this is what I tell my students to do. Um, so it's important not to maybe mischaracterize that as like, a, it's not trying to scoop anything, but, uh, but yeah, this comes from a lot of this other stuff, especially like learning lyrics and um you know especially for like instrumentalists and all that kind yeah. of stuff but i but i think there's plenty of vocalists that maybe sing the lyrics but don't really kind of like haven't really thought about them it's like funny how like students sometimes i'll get to like the end of the semester and be like what do you think this song is about and they're like i don't know it's like about love or whatever <laughs> I'm like okay oh cool i'm like they're all <laughs> about that. love you know but it's like <laughs> but what's like the like are you imagining something like do you have like i have very like a visual like i create like a little it's a lot of times it's just like almost like a slow 
a, like um like a slow mo sort of like movie scene in my head or something. I what do you, do either of you do that at all for like song lyrics? I definitely. I feel like sometimes I there's definitely like a dropping in thing. Like I definitely had a moment where I was like, wait a second. I like I can invest in this. Either I think of something specific in my life or it's very kind of like. It feels like I'm acting. It's like movie-esque or something <laughs> like that. Like I not necessarily with like and my partner in this scene is named John. Like it's not like that, but yeah. it's like. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, but I don't know if I necessarily have the visual, but I do have like this type of thing, like a five senses thing, perhaps. I think with with lyrics, I definitely draw like definitely with Amy in the I relate it to something like a situation that I experienced in real life. And then it's actually with instrumental music that I can fully like have a movie going on in my head like if you see my mm. annotations on my flute music like with each movement I have I would have the subtext at the top and be like what for each movement I have like a little story what? that I, I see and I imagine whenever I'm playing that so I played you know it even I play more musically but yeah that's interesting because with instrumental music for me I don't really like make a story it's like it's like much more like feeling for me it's like mm. something that I don't know what it is. I don't know if I could put into words. There's something, but I don't know if I could actually put into words what that is when I'm singing something instrumental. Yeah, I, I think like, well, and to be to be clear for me, it's like all, I think it's like all of the above, like all, everything you have all said, it's like, it's like a mixture of all that kind of stuff. I think that like even, yeah, I don't know. I think I'm like a very visual like imaginer or something like that you know i think like i think i can go there with vibes but like if i'm really honestly like trying to like be in the space it is pretty visual in my brain mm. you know but there's like there's like there's levels like an initial <laughs> an initial thing could just be kind of like yeah more vibes like i want this to be like you know it's kind of sad or whatever it's slow and sad <laughs> which is like all my music but the, um oh God, but then I if i go it. another layer then it's like it's slow and sad but we're like there's wind in the in the trees are this color or something i, I love know. that that's like that's cool yeah or if it's like your own tune do you go back to the moments that you were writing that tune or like Sometimes. what you were envisioning while you were writing that tune. I actually yeah. one time laughed at myself. I there was a like a moment where I laughed at a lyric because I was like, <laughs> "Did I really feel that?" <laughs> no, definitely. Yes, you though. did, Amy. You felt that. Yes, I did. You wrote it down. You sang about it. We were talking about that, like remembering your past self or having having empathy or like or uh, compassion for your past self. Yeah, for sure. Cool. I mean, I think like I, it changes for me. So I think like I don't, I have the experience of writing it and I do, I, like I often have like a pretty clear idea of like what it's about or like what I'm mm -hmm. seeing. But then when I go back and sing it again, it's like, it's, it oftentimes can be like kind of different, you know, gotcha. like it can be a different scenario. Cause I think also too, it's like uh, a lot of times it's like wrapped up in like what's kind of more current happening right. in my life mm -hmm. like someday the two of you will experience this thing where like you will sing a song that you wrote like 10 years ago ah. you know like in, <laughs> or 15 years ago or whatever that is you know like um i legitimately have songs i wrote like 25 years ago or something it's like it's 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 insanity and so wow. it's like so it's like i'm not going back to like uh you know 22 year old charlie who was like <laughs> whatever <laughs> like sitting in his crappy apartment in Harlem, like just being upset because like the whatever, this one girl who I've never talked to, she doesn't like love me or something. And it's like, that's <laughs> not, like, I don't, I, I, yeah. I'm not just going to like, I'm not just going to click and go back and be that person or something. So it's like, mm -hmm. I'm just me. And so I have, I have probably reasons to feel, you know, those things, or it's kind of more of like a memory, but it's quite hazy or something. I don't know. Do you ever do you ever like also though buy well maybe this is not for originals then but 
like I was singing a song of Avery's and I like bought in. I was like, oh my God, this has happened to me. And like, it fully has not happened to me at all. <laughs> but I was able to kind of take the song and be like, like, I guess that is acting where it's like an imagined circumstance, but you make it like sort of real in that moment. But I fully was like, I finished singing the song and I was like, oh my gosh, that was yeah. so hard for me. <laughs> and it didn't happen at all. I think acting is a strange term because it's like it kind of is almost like a and I I totally know what you mean. I think it is that yeah. like it is this like imagined thing or it's um yeah, it's like you're just creating a thing that's not that doesn't exist, you know. But it's at least for you. Truth, it's like, though, I think. Is that what you're trying to is that Yeah, what it's like based in truth. I think like the well, and acting is supposed to be right too. I'm just not yeah. an actor. And so I don't I've never called myself an actor or thought about <laughs> acting. And so it's like Yeah. that that almost kind of feels like um oh, you're just acting a certain way or something. <laughs> like, you know, it <laughs> no, feels yeah, more like that than mean. it does yeah. like the than what I what I totally feel too, which is just like, you kind of imagine this thing. Like, yeah, when I sing songs, like I, and even, I can even go to a place where I'm like, oh, I haven't ever, I haven't ever experienced that. I don't know if I've ever really felt that. And I feel like I can sing that, that because like, I can mm. kind of imagine it, you know, or it's Got like, I've it, seen it in yeah. a movie or someone has told me about <laughs> it or whatever, you know, told me a story or something. And it's like, yeah, I can go there. I. I don't know that that's even that vastly different than my own experiences, like my memory of my own experiences. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. It's yeah, almost I kind do. of like Inside Out, that that Pixar movie. Yeah, I, I love yeah. Inside Out so yes. much. Yeah, and it's like, like the memories so come, and they're like the little like the little marbles or something. Yeah, and then it's like whatever you touch, like when you touch, when each emotion kind of touches them or something, it kind of changes the memory. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So oh I, my God. You can know. paint things so much. I've been doing like with college, I have been painting it. Like that's like, what is it called? Rosie retrospect. Yeah. That's a thing. Or like I do that the other way where I'm like, I hated that. Cause I don't want to admit <laughs> that. Like, it's just that I was like hurt or something. <laughs> Anyway. Cool. Well, we, we digress. Uh, let's <laughs> let's come back to that. That was great, though. So I yeah, recommend cool. checking out this uh, this Substack thing uh, and and the and all of the sources for this. Um, uh, new music new this music. week. Oh yeah. Should I take it over? Us off? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a friend of Foray, Isak Romagosa. Um, he released his debut EP. He is a great guitarist and composer. And on this record, um, he explores his Catalonian heritage. He's very proud of that. Through his integration of flamenco rhythms, Messian-like melodies, and jazz harmony. So, like, his whole thing is, like, how can I make this really crazy melody sound extremely beautiful with this, like, basis of, like, flamenco rhythms, which is, like, a... I think it's like a 12-8 or 6-8 thing going on, but he like changes meters and all this stuff, which I think it's beautiful. And it's truly like a global album because it includes people from like Spain, Cuba, America. Um, so he like takes it all over and that's been just a joy to listen to. Um, I loved it. And then um, the new EP from Brooklyn-based artist, producer, and songwriter, Cautious Clay, um, Thin Ice on the Cake. It toys with the meta surrealism of life and death found in birth. I thought this was so hip. Surrealism of <laughs> life and death found in birthdays and the power of accepting the things we cannot control in life. I was just like, how how does one think about that when you think about your birthday? I'm just like, oh yeah, haha. -ha, I'm gonna have cake and I'm gonna say happy birthday <laughs> to you. And he's like, This is like a meta like life thing where like you can't help it's kind of calm and like you're living, oh but you're God. also dying at the same time. Anyways. Anyways. I can't spend too much time in that realm. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> I really can't. I used to not be able to fathom it, and now I can kind of, and I don't want to. That's fair. That's your choice, Amy. <laughs> he, he says, <laughs> he, goes on, he goes on to say, birthdays are also about celebrating the positives and joys of life. So, like, there's, like, some joy in that like he says the cake is celebratory you know of life and to circle and blah 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 
privileged. Not blah, blah, blah. It's really important things. It's not blah, 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 blah. I get it. Anyways, Listen it's Listen to also, our podcast. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> our podcast. Clay blah, blah, blah. is a fantastic songwriter, so I should check. Everyone should check it out. It's Vibes. Vibe Central. I like I like vibes. the name. Thin Ice on the Cake. Don't go thin walking ice. out on the cake. I love that saying. <laughs> You're on thin ice. <laughs> um, more vibes from the, the last new music this week is from uh, Ways Blood. So um, I did not know this uh, artist before this last week. Natalie Marings mm. is the, the name of the person, but the project is called Ways Blood. Um, Pitchfork gave it an 8.4, which is like a really high score for Pitchfork. But the new album is called And In, and in the Darkness, Hearts Aglow. It's very like Joni mitchell Um, They say uh, the Guardian called uh, uh, Mering's voice preternaturally wonderful and a 21st century take on the Laurel Canyon folk pop indie folk. I must let me start that over Laurel Canyon folk pop idiom of the 1960s, both an awe striking thing of beauty and a comforting balm. Um, but yeah, it's very cool. It's very vibey. It's very Joni Mitchell-y kind of vibe. That's like the Laurel Canyon kind of yeah. callback, but, um, but it's cool. It's, I dig it. And, um, there's actually another, there was another new music thing this week that I didn't put in here because I'm saving it for next week, but there's a new Phoebe Bridgers holiday EP that is like just perfect. Basically it's oh, like every, gosh. like if you wanted, like a, if you're a Phoebe Bridgers fan and you're like, Oh, I just wish she would do like a, like a kind of sad Christmas album. It's like, she did it. And it's great. And I, I'm pretty sure Andrew Bird is on it, like playing violin and like whistling and yeah. stuff too. It's very cool. I actually like it better than her last album. Oh, wow. um, just like sonically, just like the, it's more kind of acoustic-y and less kind of like, I don't know, pop rocky or something. Tune um, in next week. To hear yeah, tune Kelly. in next week where where we do a thousand of our favorite <laughs> Christmas, yes. Christmas albums, our four for foray. <laughs> Um, I started putting my list together for next week and it's already like at 15 albums. I know I'm only supposed to, we're each going to do our top 10, but I'm like, I love that. I'm just putting all of them in there and then <laughs> bonus. Then I thought we could like, you gotta leave know, some argue. for us. Yeah, I know we could argue over some of the, if you, if someone wants to borrow some or take some, that's totally fine. Um, but yeah, that was, that was new music this week. It was really great really great week for new music and like a lot of them have been and actually full yeah. disclosure i i um i was i contributed to the this this uh the campaign the um what's it called kickstarter campaign mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. the first album from now on oh yeah Same. i'm a i'm a fan i'm a fan yeah. so check that out um our extra credit <laughs> was <I> <laughs> um <laughs> where it's uh we've probably some of us have seen this meme where there's like one child who like the parent is like it's a pool and there's like one child where the parent is like hold it or like about to like you know taking yeah. care of the one child and then the child there's a child next to the parent that's like basically kind of drowning and then there's like a cut and then there's like a skeleton on the bottom <laughs> on the on the bottom of the ocean or whatever and it's been a bunch of different kind of things, but the parent in this meme is a very visual gag that we're doing. But the parents, the parent in this meme is it says schools is the parent, and then the parent is helping out. Schools are helping out students who memorize everything. And meanwhile, the critical thinkers and problem solvers are kind of drowning, and then the creatives are like down in the pool as like a dead skeleton in the bottom of the ocean. I love it. Accurate. So it's, I, yeah. I felt that one deep in my bones. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think that's uh that that was a newsletter this week. Amy, do you want to read us out? That I do. Thank you for listening, everybody, and supporting for a music. Please remember to like and subscribe. And just a note that if you leave us a review, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> it helps us out a lot. And we'd love to read and highlight your comments on next week's show. For more, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at 4A Music. Subscribe to our newsletter at 4amusic.substack.com and check out our website at 4amusic.com. 
And Alex, what's our quote for this week? Our quote is, easy does it. John Legend. <laughs> John Legend. We always Thank think God. it's funny. It's I've been editing these <laughs> podcasts and it's like every week we laugh at the same kind of, our same kind of like dumb joke that we're like, John Legend said this. And it's because like, she pauses. <laughs> it's so great. She pauses and you're like, delivery. Oh. Yeah. John and then Legend. she goes, you know who said that? That's what the pause says. <laughs> It never gets old. Okay, this is this is probably going up on. Uh, we're probably just missing most of you for Thanksgiving. This is probably going up on Black Friday. So we hope you all had a great Thanksgiving and enjoy yes. your Black Friday. Uh, please maybe get outside and or listen <laughs> to some good music on Black Friday and don't push anybody over to. Don't. I don't know. Buy that. Don't you know? Don't start any fights over the four A four A music merch or anything. It's yeah, guys. <laughs> I've been um, wearing it. We'll see you next week where we're going to talk about uh, holiday albums. Until then, we think you're super. Bye. Bye. I've gotten two compliments on my merch, by the way. Yes. Sick. I told them it was on sale. So. Good. <laughs>